Hello and welcome to Driftwood Christianity, the podcast that carves out the faith hiding in the driftwood of life and sends it on to you. I'm Andrew Smith. This podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Kondamooka and Jagera peoples. And my voice is a bit croaky and sore today, so I'm delighted that I had an interview ready to go. Today's Driftwood is an interview with Erin Mawini. So, on with the interview. Uh, as I said, my guest is Erin. So, hello, Erin. How are you? Hello, Andrew. I am well, thank you. Very nice. Nice to be I thought, oh, it is. It's nice to have you. It's really nice to have you. Uh, what I thought I'd do is um, give you the space to introduce yourself. So, who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Erin. I am a mother. I am a wife. I am a sister. I um, am currently a student of ministry and I am a pastor of a small church in um, inner suburban Brisbane. Um, yeah, I've been a chaplain. I've been a foster carer. I've had a few hats over the years. Must be a heck of a hat stand. <laughs> Yeah. Very nice. So inner city church, are we allowed to say the name of it? Yeah. Okay. So um, West End Uniting Church. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how did you get there? Well, I actually had, um, so I've been a member of the Uniting Church for most of my life. Um, so I grew up in the church, but I started going to West End just after kind of the worst part of COVID, the COVID lockdowns had finished and we uh, could go back to church. Um, I had been in one of the, um, another church further out of town for quite a number of years, probably nearly 20 years actually, but needed a change and had, had been starting to explore my call to ministry at that point. So I was looking around for some different church experiences and landed at West End. Um, I really liked the vibe, you could say. Hmm. Yeah. Does that mean you went through that, um, what are they called, the period of discernment that um, oh. in the United yeah. Church? Yeah. So in the United Church. So I did a, I did a about a year or so of that period of discernment just um Oh, but prior to that, I had been a school chaplain for a long time. So I feel like I had been just gradually working my way towards this probably for five or six or ten years <laughs> before I actually did a period of discernment. Um, school chaplaincy was, yeah, like a really cool experience of just getting to know people where they're at and not necessarily church people. And, mm. it, and it was a pastoral care kind of role in a state school or well, actually I did two different schools mm. um, but anyway that developed into this um, feeling of needing to do needing to explore um, whether there was a call to ministry there so I did that yeah okay um, now I know the period of discernment can take a bit of time and yep. if I understand it right because I'm not a United Church person yeah there's there's a lot of um, where the person themselves has to decide on it, but also the congregation gives feedback and comments and you've got a spiritual director and there's all kinds of people around you helping to make this decision. What, yeah. what was that moment where for you it settled and said, yes, this is the thing I'm, I, I, need, I need to go into a different kind of ministry now. I'll, you know, I'll, 
moving from chaplaincy to something else? Um, yeah, definitely um, listened a lot to those um, wise voices in my life, uh, friends who have had more experience and knew more about theology and ministry. Um, and I had had a number of people over the years, first of all, suggest um, chaplaincy to me. So I knew that something was stirring there. Um, but then going into, um, you know, applying to, to become a candidate for ministry was was a bit more of just realising that actually, well, first of all, realising that I could do it. But I had had this real um, stirring uh, passion for working with First Nations people that had come out of my chaplaincy um, experience and my um, years as a foster carer and just exploring that the way that sometimes the young people in my schools um, had had some disconnection from their culture because of um, separated families or because of being in foster care and not having connection with their with their mob anymore. So one of the things that I had done through my chaplaincy time was connect with my, well, the local elders around the school and in my community where I lived and building relate through building relationships with them, I was able to um, help arrange some mentoring and some yarns with the kids um, and these elders, which was really beautiful. But that that kind of process in me and me educating myself about, yeah, First Nations issues and the disadvantage that has happened in this country because of because of our colonial history yeah just really stirred something in me so I knew I knew that there was something there that I had to pursue that is a very long way of answering that question no it's really good because it um it makes me think uh I know where West End United Church is it's near Musgrave Park and I know Musgrave Park is a significant place for the um for the Indigenous peoples of the area yes um so but at the same time, I know that part of Brisbane, there's lots of you know apartment towers. You've got shiny glass things everywhere. Yeah. So, what is it like, in, I guess, in your interactions with the area and the people of the area, mm. to to sort of have to straddle on the one hand some of the most expensive real estate in the in Brisbane, uh, as well as mm. um, areas like Musgrave Park um, and and everything in between. Yes, as as most places do, it is becoming gentrified, but the congregation at West End, we have some, like they're the experts on the area. There's a real diversity there, but there's some people that have been there for so long. They know they know the whole history. They know all of the community services around. They know, you know, um, um, they, they run a Tuesday lunch where some of the uh, street people come and gather. Anyone's welcome to come, but. Um, yeah, and there's lots of boarding houses around as well. Mm. So it's such a diverse, such a diverse population in the community, and also it's represented in the congregation that worships in the church. Oh, so you've got the it's it's yeah. like, like I only ever drive through the place. Um, yeah. So what I see in terms of the architecture, you you see that in the people as well. Um, 
Yep. So long term, long term uh, congregation members. There's a lady that's lived um, around the corner for like 40 years. Mm. <laughs> there's even second generation members of the church there. Where, um, yeah, it's funny. And then, well, you know, like some of our people who don't have permanent accommodation just drop into the church service and stay for morning tea. Mm. And we also, so it's a it's an LGBTIQ affirming church. So the congregation made that decision a few years ago. Mm. And I think it's a little bit unique around well, in Queensland. It's not entirely unique, but it's one of the few churches that are, as far as I'm aware. Mm. Um, but people drive from right across Brisbane to get there. We had a wow. couple a couple from Logan come the other week and then People drive from way on the north side and the bay even to come to the church. So, yeah, okay. What is it that you think draws them to go such a such a long long way? I think because they find that it's a safe space. Mm. I um, I know that the congregation has worked really hard for it to be a safe space for people to ask questions, for people to ex- um, you know just express their true selves I guess and not have to worry about what people think or how people will judge them um, okay yeah that's cool yeah. um to um shift a little bit I know um oh. I, I, t- I talk a lot in my show about um the text of scripture uh, yeah. because I, I'm not in ministry like you so for me it, I, I'm really still engaged with faith um through text and what that means yeah. and, and so on um, so in what you're doing, is, is there a text that sometimes you find helpful or motivating or guiding in either what you do long term or even just at the moment? What, mm. what, what have you got that you could share? Yeah, I guess So I guess I'm showing my chaplaincy flavours here, <laughs> but a couple of one that I really love, I guess this is a bit of an old favourite, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, mm. um, Jesus talking about, you know, um, feeding the hungry and giving the thirsty a drink and visiting the prisoner. I just find so many echoes in that of of what we do as human beings when we respond to um, to the message that Jesus brings why wouldn't we be doing these things um and even genesis i was i was thinking i just love i just love the two different creation narratives that are there and i'm a bit of a fan i've done a little tiny bit of hebrew study yeah um (laughs) my poor lecturer but (laughs) the, the the poetry of um of the first chapter of Genesis and the, the seven days is just beautiful. Mm. And that idea of us all being created in the image of God and that God delights in us mm. as we are, that's something that, that um, is so beautiful and that, the, that we're created for flourishing and that creation is, you know, there to flourish and to delight in is just something that I don't know is so beautiful yeah so I guess that but what I really like about that particularly at all in what you've talked about as an affirming church Mm. is the Mm. way that 
um, first of all, affirming. You, mm. you, you're saying mm. there's somebody who's walked in and, ex- and, and who you are, we're going to affirm you and we're going to encourage you and help you to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the parallels with the garden are so, um, so resonant there because you don't mm. have one kind of plant growing in a garden. That's right. right? That's, that's a crop. And so God didn't put put them in the story into a, into <laughs> a farm. God says you're yeah. in a garden, and a garden is diverse, and a gar- yeah. and all the and all these different kind of plants they um, exhibit their own colours and their own interactions and all that sort of stuff. Yes, um, and, and I yes. can I can hear those those parallels there um, with what you're saying. Mm. Okay, mm. okay. Um, how do you how do you find? I mean, that's just my my reflection on it how do you find um the genesis account feeding through into your ministry and and in your congregation Mm. i I think it's the i think it's the idea of um oh and then john john 10 10 i'm going to chuck that one in there as well about jesus uh have has come so that we might have life in all its fullness you know Mm. um you know that abundance and again that that kind of conjures up that creation abundance or the abundance of the garden um we're all i don't know i don't know what to say now we're all loved and delighted in by our creator so why wouldn't we um want to share that with you know the wider community i think Mm. i can see Um, how that that rolls back around to your matthew 25 then yeah because if it's about nurturing and it's about love and spreading that out then then you can then there's the six different ways that they talk about or that jesus talked about in matthew 25 um they they really are I guess in one sense, quite fundamental needs that so many people share. Yeah, um, and and there's something in the diversity as well. Um, so that you know, the First Nations people that I have worked with over the years, and that I meet in the street in Boundary Street in West End and down at Musgrave Park. There's there's people camping in the park at the moment hmm. um, because of our housing crisis. But um, oh, those. You know that that flourishing. Like, <laughs> oh, what I was going to say was, what? How do they respond to that message? Like, how do they res- How would they respond to okay. us? Um, to knowing that God loves them. I know we don't walk up to people and just go, "Hey, <laughs> God loves you," but but through our actions, we're showing that. Um, you know, they're cared for and that we want to, you know, get to know them and that we do hopefully show what it really, um, what life can really be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, what, what is it that you and your church are doing with the, the folks in the area? I mean, you've talked about um, uh, people popping in for church and then sticking around for morning tea. Yeah, yeah. And um, Tuesday, yeah, sorry. There you go. Tuesday lunches is our kind of point of connection. There's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of services in West End already. Like it's quite, um, 
there are quite a number of different charities and organisations that do um, provide housing um, services and meals and that sort of thing. So I think that the thing that people is the thing that people don't get is that connection, that sense of um, you know being supported, feeling like they're um, they've got someone there for them on their side, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So hmm. Yeah, it feels like yeah. the visiting you when you're sick or visiting you when you're yeah, in yeah. prison. Yeah, that building um, relationship, it's all, yeah. Because yeah. those things can be really isolating. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I, having read some, you know, given that the housing is such an issue mm. and it's in the news so often, there are stories mm. that, that come up that you read about of yeah. people who have become homeless and now experience significant isolation because of that homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, um, again, that visiting people while while they're homeless is such a. I know it's not written in the text that you brought up, but mm. I don't think it's I don't think it's a long bow to draw to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. And the um, incarceration rates <laughs> um, yeah. in in some of our friends' communities is pretty mm. awful. Yeah. So you, you talked a bit there about, you know, what you do is you go and um, build connection and support and um, feed and, and, and other needs that come up. Mm. Um, does, is there much that, that uh, goes in the other direction? Because I'm thinking you talked about the um, early Genesis narratives mm. uh, being about creation. Uh, and I know that Indigenous theologians talk about God as creator spirit. Mm. And I just wonder if as you're listening to stories, not just in the community um, where you are, but I think about the elders that you mm. formed relationships with in your chaplaincy, how much of that has um, have you heard and listened to and how, does, how has it affected your understanding of things like Genesis? Oh, um, I just love that every culture around the world has their their um their creation narratives you know like and one of the things that i really enjoyed about my um old testament studies in my ministry degree was the um just thinking about some of the other ancient near eastern stories that were around at the time that um the genesis version was written Mm. uh but, yeah, we have in Australia um, the oldest continuing culture on the planet. That just absolutely blows my mind. But mm. I think about the way that uh, First Nations people in this country have connected with their with creator spirit um, over the tens of thousands of years and it's just amazing the way that they have seen god through this landscape and waters and um stars Mm. is just so beautiful Mm. and i think we have a lot to learn a lot a lot to learn so i do really enjoy um hearing some of the stories from around the country um some are some are quite similar and some are um 
a bit different from that as well. But yeah, it's very okay. special to be able to spend the time for a start, isn't it? Uh, and in yeah. sharing uh, and I, stories, that's a way of connecting with each other too. I think it's also um, kind of special and not common at all to be uh, invited into that discussion. Um, I know it's not, it wouldn't be part of the normal experience of mainstream Australia to be in that kind of conversation where you've got elders uh, and people to say, hey, here's our story. No, um, this is true. Um, yeah, and actually it's oh, someone, someone gave me a really nice framework for this. It takes, oh, now I can't attribute it because I can't remember the name of the person who told me, but... Um, the person who told Erin, we sorry. really appreciate what you Thank said. Thank you so much. It was mm -hmm. an, I think it was an uncle who was based in Sherberg. Okay. I heard this secondhand. But, the, you know, in order to build relationship and to build trust, it takes time. There's no shortcuts to, uh, to relationship. But mm -hmm. the first time you sit down with someone and have a cup of tea, you're strangers. The second time that you sit down and have a cup of tea, you're friends. The third time you sit down and have a cup of tea, your family and people will do anything for family. So I just really love that idea of it takes time to build a relationship. It takes time to be in that space to to even be able to hear the stories in the first place, mm. you know, to, to be trusted enough to have, have stories shared with you. Um, and so... I now realise 10 years down the track that actually it's a very precious thing to um, have that connection. And you can't take a shortcut if you move, <laughs> start all yeah. over again. <laughs> yeah, different people, yeah. different land, different country, different elders. Yeah. And yeah. as you said, different stories sometimes. Yep. Yeah, okay. Mm. Wow, that's really beautiful. All right, mm. cool. Well, um, I guess the last thing I wanted the second last thing I wanted to ask was, uh, what's next for you? Um, well, I'm I'm very very new to this pastor gig, so I am looking forward to getting some more experience, <laughs> learning some more, taking some more steps, and and trying some new things, um, and yet putting down some, I guess, more roots in connecting in with the community a bit more in West End. Um, yes, but oh, my husband and I are, my husband and I are at the stage now where our youngest child is in grade 12. So we have a little bit more freedom these days to do um, our own yeah. thing and hopefully do a bit of traveling. And one of my highlights of last year was to get to drive out to Alice Springs with him and go across some of this country. Mm. So looking forward to doing a bit more of that. Oh, that would have been gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now uh, I'm going to ask you to send me some links later so that I can, yeah. um, if anybody wants to see more about what your church is up to, yeah. um, how they can how they can do that. And if they mm -hmm. are in the West End area, they yeah. should definitely come in. And, yeah, or um, on Facebook. Or on Facebook, there you go, and be yeah. part of the community. Yeah. Uh, are, are you streaming your services on a Sunday morning? We do. There you go. So yet another way. All right. So I'll um, send them through to me and I'll make sure that um, we put that in the, the notes of the show so people can do that. Erin, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful listening to you uh, and engaging with you on some of those texts. Um, and we uh, pray that you'll continue to, to be that, uh, I guess, conduit of life 
uh, as you as you've talked about doing in ministry. Thank you so much for having me. Many thanks to Erin for her time. You can find West End Uniting on Facebook. I'll put a link in the show notes. And if you're looking for an affirming progressive church in the centre of Brisbane, this might be the community for you. And thanks also to you for listening to the show today. If you'd like to support the show, you can rate and review it on your podcast app. Also, you could like and share the episode or the posts or the page. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Mastodon. The links are in the show notes for you. At best of all, you can comment. Because this episode is now Driftwood for you. What will you carve out of it? Thank you.